You're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Suck dogs, woof woof. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> all right, listen. Here's a quick announcement, then we're gonna get right into the episode. Uh, I made a booklet, a handbook called the Creative Career Path. It was kind of a companion to our Creative Career Path series, episodes 170 to 176. The Creative Career Path is a uh, seven-step process for marketing your creative work. It's And it's a holistic approach to marketing where you're uh, finding the product market fit, like making your work with the market in mind, figuring out how to get what you've got to people that want it. And I think that marketing is such a tricky nut to crack for creative people. And I developed this seven-step process. I use it in my own work all the time. Uh, I help other creatives in their careers use this same process. And I'm super crazy passionate about it. So I made this handbook with Scout Books. They sponsored the product. And uh, we sold out of them in like less than two weeks. So they're completely gone. You can go to creativepeptalk.com slash shop and get the ebook, but I have big plans 
to, uh, you know, the demand was crazy for this thing, so I want to rethink how I'm approaching this. I've got some stuff cooking on the next batch of these, uh, which you just got to stay tuned for. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to get the ebook, you can go get it. And in the meantime, go check out scoutbooks.com slash creative pep talk for 15% off your next Scout Books order. You too can not you too, the band, they could make scout books if they want, but you also could make scout books, your own handbooks, guidebooks, whatever, you know, your own little storybook if you want. Um, great way to self-publish in a, in a kind of really DIY, but really sophisticated um, way. There's that word sophisticated again. It is sophisticated though. They do a freaking awesome job. I love scout books. Go check them out. Scoutbooks.com slash creative pep talk. Here's the episode. Doesn't the 90s uh, feel like such a peaceful time if you grew, grew up through them? Like, I feel like it seemed like a simpler time, the 90s. It was a time where I felt like the culture thought that the end of the world was so far out there in the distance that we could have fun by imagining what it would be like through our entertainment and that would be a fun thing. I don't feel like <laughs> I don't feel like we're culturally in a moment where we're fantasizing about the end of the world as some far off occasion. Um, I feel <laughs> I don't I don't think it's the same situation. But back in the nineties, we felt like we could do that. There were all these movies like Independence Day and Armageddon and and there was this one movie where Morgan Freeman was the president. What a glorious day that would be. Uh, for more nostalgia, just imagine. Wouldn't it be amazing? Um, called And the movie was called Deep Impact, and it was about the end of the world. Now, I think that if there was a movie about today, about the end of the creative world, it would be called Wide Impact. And here's why. I get a sense in myself and a sense with all the creatives that I work with that there is this quiet desperation, this weird um, obsession with having some giant wide impact with our work, aka going viral, like having your work appeal and connect with millions of people and that being kind of the ultimate benchmark of success. And if you don't do that, if you never go viral, then you're basically a failure and your work is not successful. And I think that this idea and this metric ends up being a massive distraction from us making a deep impact with our audience. And I think all of the good stuff starts with a deep impact. And so we've been doing this 100-day project but even if you're not doing a 100-day project, no matter what you're doing as a creative person, you need to have seasons of focus to get where you want to go. And so we've been doing a few episodes on the big distractions that keep us from doing our best work. And I think maybe the biggest distraction right now is this quiet desperation, this obsession with having a wide impact. And I really think it negates our ability to do our best work. And so in today's episode, we're going to 
go over some ideas. Some of these we've talked a little bit about on the podcast. So some of them are a refresher. Uh, some of them are totally new ideas. And then ultimately, it's supposed to be an encouragement to get focused on what really matters and what you're already probably pretty good at doing um, if you will just shift your focus. And, uh, and I hope that it can be an encouragement that helps kill that uh, demon in your mind that is telling you that you've got to go viral or uh, bust. And so that's what we're going to talk about into today's episode. A few uh, of the reasons why I think shifting your focus from wide impact to deep impact can be a game changer for you creatively. And then I'm going to give you a practical exercise that I think, uh, a thought experiment, if you will, that I think will unlock some, some of your great work. So, all right, the first thing I want to say is that the first reason why going deep instead of wide is really powerful is that it makes your work more potent I think often when we think about appealing to the masses, we think we have to water every, all of our particulars down into universal themes and that somehow that will mean our examples and our art will connect with everybody. But uh, as you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, this idea that in the universe or in the particular lies the universal. And that's this idea I heard I first heard that from James Victoria just to give credit where it, credit's due he's a graphic designer who uh talks a lot about uh creativity and he talks about this idea he got that quote from James Joyce the author and here's what it means it just means that when you dive deep into your own personal experience it's the details and the particulars of that situation and experience that bring it to life, that that really uh, help people feel the universal truth in that thing. So, when, like for an instance, let's say you were trying to make a song about uh, the heroin epidemic, and you're trying to really connect deeply. The most universal thing that you could say, and the most wide uh, appealing thing that you could say that could appear that could that could connect to any possible situation is that heroin is bad, right? Like you could say that, and that would be universally true. It would, it, or universally, you could say heroin kills people and people are overdosing. But you see that wide appeal, that thing that could apply to any situation. It lacks universal depth. It lacks the connection point. But if you say that you have an Aunt Jenny that used to break into your grandma's garage and steal her uh, gardening tools and her, uh, her all of her uh, fancy equipment in her garage and sell them for heroin, and that she would that she once had her kids were gifted Game Boys for Christmas, and she pawned that off for the heroin, and you give all of you give these stories depth and experience and personal insight and in the particulars you will connect to a universal depth uh so 
I think his name's Phil Rosenthal, talks about this in interviews. He's one of the creators of Everybody Loves Raymond, and he said he believes that the reason that show was a success, what, there was a microcosm that explained the whole thing in the first episode, and he said that there was this thing in the first episode where uh, Ray gives his parents, he signs his parents up for Fruit of the Month Club, where every month they get a giant box of fruit on their doorstep, and uh, and his parents freak out like it's a curse. Like, why did you give us all of this fruit? What are we going to do? What could we possibly do with all this fruit? Like, and, and then he's like, uh, she's like, why did you do this to us? And he's like, well, you know, it's a fruit of the month club. She's like, this is going to happen every month. And it's just basically uh, the, the microcosm of your parents are insane. Like your parents <laughs> are crazy. And he said, you could say your parents are crazy, but it wouldn't really ring true. You'd lack the depth. You'd lack the universal oomph. And you get it when you put it in this uh, microcosm, this, this deep, personal, particular experience, the Fruit of the Month Club is a thing that he actually signed his parents up for. And there's another example uh, later where his dad, he got his dad this engraved toaster uh, and he gave it to his dad and his dad returned the toaster to to a, a retailer before ever having opened it in seeing that it had an engraving. And so it was in these particular stories, diving deep in his own particulars, that he started to get these universal, visceral things that you could actually feel. And so instead of trying to boil down your uh, experience to the most universal phrases and universal truths, let the particulars hold the universal. And in those details, in the depths of the details, that's where you're actually going to have some potent work. So the first reason is it's more potent to go that way. It's more sustainable in the long haul. In terms of a long-term creative career, having a few diehard fans over the long term is way more sustainable than having millions of passive fans in a short period of time. And I've experienced that in my own life. There were times back in the day where I talked about on the podcast how I am a thriving artist and I'd never gone viral. I never needed to go viral and that I never had. And actually someone close to me uh, corrected me and said that actually you, that I had done something that it went viral. And I did. I, Early on in my career, I had this thing called the Indie Rock Coloring Book, and it genuinely went viral online, and it was published as a book, and it went all over the place. It was on TV. It was on USA Today. It was in Time Magazine's uh, gift guide on their site. It was all over the friggin' place. And uh, and here's the thing in in my experience is that just as quickly as those fans showed up and those projects that I got off the back of that uh, viral success, just as quickly as those things showed up, they disappeared. And then if you take that and you compare it to the projects that I've done since then, this podcast included, which has never really had any viral uh, success, no giant upturn of listeners overnight. Um, Another project I did, the Daily Drawing Project, the where I did a new character every weekday for a year, that project had 
no viral success. It had some good moments, but no like, you know, landing on the front pages of hundreds of websites overnight and, and thousands of people showing up out of nowhere. But both of those things that have made a deep impact with a few people ended up sustaining growth and career growth and clients for years and years. You see, when I did the Indie Rock coloring book, only I, I had all kinds of stuff happening. Only eight months later, I was working in a juvenile detention center for just a little bit more than minimum wage because everything that showed up from that viral success as quickly, quickly as it came, it left. And I think a lot about how, think about your audience like the roots to your creative career tree. The deeper the roots, the deeper and the more diehard your fans, doesn't matter how many they are. You see, when the winds of trends change, which if you catch a trend wind, as we'll call it, that's when you go viral. When you're in the right place at the right time, hitting a trend, hitting this cultural moment, that's when something super crazy explosive happens and everything changes overnight. But those trend winds change direction over overnight as well. And if you can think about it, building your creative career tree on million, uh, millions of fans that are like uh, only skin deep, uh, soiled like you know, an inch into the soil, tiny little roots, but millions of them, when the trend winds change, your tree is going to be uprooted with it. But if you can connect on a deep level with just a few hundred people or a thousand people, then you can sustain that career over the long term. So the second reason focusing on the deep impact is uh, better than the wide is that it creates um, a foundation that is long-lasting and sustainable even when, when the trend winds change. Uh, focusing on deep impact is far superior than trying to get wide impact is because it's achievable. It's doable. It's really freaking hard to make something super special to thousands of faceless people. It's really easy to make something super special for one person that you love and know really well. If I was making pizza I don't know, by the way, I don't know why every episode goes back to pizza. I feel like every single episode, I have a new analogy involving pizza. They don't call me Dr. Pizza for nothing. In fact, most people don't call me Dr. Pizza because I'm, in fact, not a doctor. Um, and my last name isn't really pizza. But um, all that aside, <laughs> yeah, I think that I go into the pizza metaphors because... Uh, I've been on a, a calorie diet for the past three years, and so uh, I can't really eat a ton of pizza, but I am allowed to think about pizza as much as I want. That's <laughs> thinking about calories. Thinking about pizza is calorie-free. So here's my calorie, my calorie, here's my pizza analogy. Goodness gracious. Here's what I'm trying to say. If I was trying to make pizza 
for one million people and make sure that they could eat it, like it would have a wide impact on these people, that it would fill their tummies, I would go with as simple of a cheese pizza as possible. Not very special. Definitely not called art or creativity, right? But if my brother was coming over and I was going to make him some pizza, I would think about my brother and I'd think, what would really tickle this guy's pizza fancy? Uh, I wish there was a pizza fancy magazine, kind of like there was dog fancy, and there's all these different pictures of pizza. <laughs> Maybe I need to go off my diet and just live a little. Anyway, I'm getting enough pizza. Don't worry about me. But if my brother was coming over, I know he likes spicy things. I know he loves Indian food. I might come up with a pizza that is like a non-bread type base, and we'll do, instead of tomato sauce, we'll do like a tikka masala uh, pizza sauce, and maybe we'll add a tandoori chicken and hot Indian peppers and um, add a yogurt sauce on top, like a, um, yeah, like, and, and have maybe as well as uh, traditional pizza cheese, maybe we'll add some paneer cheese and have this kind of different take on pizza. And I know if I made that pizza, I know my brother would be like, this is freaking awesome. And uh, it's because I'm trying to have a deep impact with one person. And I think it's so much easier, it's so much more doable when you have someone in mind and you really want to touch them that, uh, that you can make something special. And this is true for the podcast. For the podcast, almost every single episode is birthed out of a conversation that I have with one person. And I have this idea and I'm like, you know what I feel like that would really help them if they thought about this thing in this way. And I really try to dive into this thing and craft an episode basically for that person alone and explain an idea that's helped me in, in the best possible way that I can. And it's most, it's like a gift for one person. And it's even showed up in my uh, home life with my son. I started drawing all of the, we, my son and I started playing Zelda all the time. And uh, the new Breath of the Wild. I pretty much am completely obsessed with that game and uh, I am so afraid that I'm going to completely complete it before they come up with a follow-up. So Nintendo, please be working on this. I have to have this <laughs> Zelda uh, thing in my life. And my son and I have been bonding over it like crazy. And I started doing this fan art for Zelda that's in my style, in my sketchbook, just to make him smile. And through that, actually, I realized that there was this hero's journey, slightly more medieval, uh, like, warrior kind of aspect and theme that I'm not really putting in my work that's like a big part of everything that I like and I started letting that bleed into my work and I think it's make it's giving my work a new layer fresh inspiration that is uh, creating a niche in my market that's different to what everybody else is making but it came from just trying to make my son smile by saying look at this sweet link that I, that I invented. Look at this sweet new backpack that I made. Look at this new sword that he has. I did a new version of the master sword. But just trying to uh, put a smile on my son's face meant that I had a whole new well 
of inspiration from that one-on-one deep level of impact. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this idea and I want you to this week, whether it's in your 100-day project or whatever, to make something for one person, to give them a piece of art as a gift, something you know that's going to make a deep impression on them, something that's going to make them laugh, something that's going to make them cry, something that's totally tailored to someone who you have a deep connection with. And I don't mean make an inside joke that nobody else could possibly get. I just mean something that you know is actually going to register on someone else's emotional or intellectual wavelength. And if you do that, I think you're going to tap into some of this deep impact work that we're talking about. So check that out. Do hashtag CPT deep impact on Instagram if you end up sharing it. And, and uh, otherwise, just do it for yourself and do it for your friends and your family and see if that unlocks some new, fresh inspiration in your creative work on another level. Most of you know that uh, <laughs> that I'm a pretty big Jim Carrey fan, and uh, <clears throat> I've kind of followed him through all the ups and downs of his career, uh, and I really like this new phase of Jim Carrey where he's like trying to be Jim Carrey the philosopher, um, <laughs> which is just, I don't know. I'm there for it. I'm enjoying it, and one of the things that he says that I love is that he has more fame and money than he ever dreamt he would possibly have. And he wishes that everyone would have that same experience so they would know that it's not ultimately what they want or what they need. And because of that, they could go focus on the things that are actually really important in life. And so, you know, like I said, I have gone viral Uh, My Indie Rock coloring book skyrocketed all over the interweb and back again in 2009. And it was crazy to see my work on cable TV and to see it go all over the place just a year after I graduated. Uh, But the funny thing is that it was so inconsequential in the greater narrative of my creative career that years later I had to be reminded that it had happened. I had forgotten completely that I'd ever really had some overnight viral success in the first place. Uh, that's how inconsequential and, and, and uh, how much it didn't really matter in the long term. And so we chase this carrot on a stick of wide impact. And as someone who has caught the carrot and tasted it, I'd like to tell you it's not so great. <laughs> And uh, you should really focus on more meaningful things. The people I know that are really living in that sweet spot of their creative career, they're really thriving in the way that we all want to be, uh, they're not that excited about wide impact. They're happy to be getting paid, doing the work they love for the few people that they're serving with their creativity. And I think uh, the truth is this, is that 
I don't know what part of your brain it is. I'm not a neuroscience, but there's parts of your brain that are like a lizard brain or a monkey brain or your ego, this part of your brain that's like a lower life form in your mind. And that thing, you know what I think it wants? I think it wants fame. But I think that there is a higher part of your mind. There's a more human part of your mind, a truer part of who you are. And it doesn't want fame. It wants meaning. And I think that, uh, that being, you know, being on the, uh, the passing knowledge of millions of people kind of vaguely knowing about your existence, like that might be fun for a second, but ultimately I think it's pretty meaningless, but making work that really connects on a deep level with a few people will be so much more gratifying. You know, I think there's just uh, one more thing that I want to say, uh, and it's kind of a weird way to end this episode, is that uh, I don't just think that deep impact is superior to wide impact creativity. I think it supersedes wide impact. Malcolm Gladwell in his book Tipping Point would argue that the way something explodes into the culture is that it starts with a small group of diehard fans and evangelists. And so in that way, maybe just maybe, if you make an incredibly deep impact with a small group of people, not only will, be, will that be more meaningful and more exciting and more sustainable and more potent, but it actually might be the thing that leads to wide impact. Now, uh, I mainly made this episode for one reason, and here's what it is. I want to encourage you to not have wide impact and going viral as the benchmark of ultimate success for your work. You don't need to have crazy giant wide impact to have a thriving creative career that you love. I want you to just take a moment and say this to yourself <laughs> as silly as it might feel. My creative worth is more than my social media following. It's more than my page counts. It's more than my YouTube views. I want you to just breathe out and just let go of that desperate need of having millions of metrics that validate your creative worth. It's not what you think it's gonna be. And focus on using this creative superpower you have to make a deep impact on the people around you. Hey, thanks for listening. If Creative Pep Talk is important to you, if it's made an impact on you and you want to do something to give back, there's a bunch of ways you can help out the show. You can rate and review the show on iTunes. That is a complete game changer and helps us reach a whole different group of people. 
Um, it helps us climb the charts on iTunes and be more visible to all kinds of different people. So I'd really appreciate you doing that. You can back the podcast financially at patreon.com slash creative pep talk. We love those creative pepperonis that make this show happen. We couldn't do it without them. Thank you guys. You can go pick up some creative pep talk merch and the creative career path ebook at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. And you can get access to the first 100 episodes of the show uh, and stay up to date when new episodes drop by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com. Thank you very much. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for providing some other tunes. Big old thanks to Alex Sugg for editing this show so beautifully and also adding some, uh, some sweet tunes of his own. We love you, buddy. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for listening. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>